Terry and Jesse show. This is the Lord's Gym, Full Contact Catholicism. <laughs> we're not right versus left. We're right versus wrong. And I am on duty today. Had a little fever yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a 24-hour fever. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. I mean, I just, uh, you know, one of those summer fevers. Where I spiked up to, I think, 102, 103. Yeah. Um, and so it put me on my back for a few hours, but um, I'm back, Terry. I'm glad you're back, brother. Every time I hear when you're having these bouts <laughs> with your health, I'm always saying, yeah, I'm, I'm getting on my knees praying. Say, Please, Lord, bring Jess back quickly. We need him. And the Lord needs him. We need him here. Jess, I just want to say today's show, I really think the feast day of, of the triumph of the cross. I mean, this exaltation of the cross is really a beautiful uh, celebration. And I love the insight about uh, how they found the true meaning, true cross of Christ. There's a little story there that is beautiful. And uh, we also are going to cover... Uh, Sheila LaBeouf's conversion story. Jess, we talked about this a while back, but now we're going to get into Bishop Robert Barron's interview. It's an hour and 15 minutes long, and it just go to sh- it goes to show you again uh, two things. One, the beauty of our apostolic faith, a mass, traditional mass, really touched this man's heart to become a Catholic. And I, I kind of think Bishop Barron really didn't get that. Somehow <laughs> no, he he's just like, wait a minute, how could you say that? Well, we're going to get into that. Also, our good friend Dave, Father Dave Hicks, I just got off the phone with him, Jess, like oh. five minutes ago about another issue. And I say, Father, we're covering your article today. He says, well, just make sure you tell people that marriage is a sacrament. That's the whole point. I didn't put that in the article. I said, well, I'll make sure I put that in. But it's, a, it's called Attending Ex-Catholic Weddings, Why You Shouldn't Do That. And of course, today's Wednesday. We're going to get an update from Church Militant. But Jess, you got some good stories for me or... Oh, you want yeah. to write? Yeah, I'm all there. Give me some uh, need-to-know file. A couple of need-to-know stories. We have uh, Americans are paying massive taxes. Uh-huh. Americans in 2021 yeah. once again spent more on average t- uh, on average on taxes than they did on food, clothing, and health care combined, according to recently released data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, that's not good news. This is, this is what we would call Biden economics. Also... Catholic vote is leading a national nationwide novena. That's a good thing. Catholic vote is inviting Christians nationwide to pray novena, asking for St. Michael's intercession amid the growing number of attacks targeting churches and pro-life pregnancy centers in the United States. As Catholics, before we go to the polls, we go to the cross. Amen. Said Catholic vote president Brian Birch. The novena will be, begin on September 20th and conclude on September 29th, the Feast of the Archangels. Also, uh, please use the link below that's on the, our webpage to tell our senators to vote no on the so-called poorly named Defense of Marriage, which should be called the Desecration of Marriage Act. From our U.S. bishops, U.S. CCBF Freedom, they said, Reminder, tell your senators to vote no on the poorly named Respect for Marriage so uh, thanks be to God, the successors of the apostles uh, showed some apostolic courage. Hey. Also, mm-hmm. President, unelected President Joe Biden, his new senior advisor, John Podesta, has maintained ties with the Chinese government's influence operative for over 10 years. The Daily Caller News Foundation discovered this since at least 2009. Democratic power broker John Podesta, former chairman of Hillary Clinton's 2016 has cooperated with the Chinese Communist Party organization 
and 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 the the and in fact, John Podesta, he sits on the CUSEF. That's the China United States Exchange Foundation, and uh, has written at least three articles for its website since 2011, the same year in which he appeared on the front cover of the group's annual report. So again, he's just been bumped up to a senior advisor position to Joe Biden. And this guy, John Podesta, is tied in with the communist. Unbelievable. I need you to give this information, everybody. Those in California on Tuesday, yesterday, our government of California launched a taxpayer website promoting abortion services and resources in the state, even to non-residents. So we're saying what he said, now he's doing it. The website is up and it's so sick if you think about it, because in the same breath, I have a document here that said that um, violence at a California study of violence experiences across lifespan says that California's violence has gone up dramatically. And uh, think about it. We're the abortion capital of the United States right now. That's that's one thing that's violent. But everything else, California, high taxes, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. So I just want to say, let's pray for the conversion of California, because I really believe if California could get its act together what usually takes place, good or bad in California, spreads east. That's right. All right, Jess. That's Sarah, today, today's the exaltation of the oh, Holy yeah. Cross. When we honor or exalt the Holy Cross, uh, Christians are primarily acknowledging Christ yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and here's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in paragraph 617 about the exaltation of the cross. It says this. The Council of Trent emphasizes the unique character of Christ's sacrifice as the source of eternal salvation and teaches that his most holy passion on the wood of the cross merited justification for us. And the church venerates his cross as she sings, Hail, O cross, our only hope. So why do we celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross? (laughs) Well, as well as celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross commemorates two historical events. The first is the discovery of the cross in 320 AD, uh, the discovery of the true cross uh, of Calvary and of the tomb of Christ by St. Helena, the, mo- the, the mother of, uh, of, of the Roman Emperor, uh, Emperor Constantine, which the Romans had buried under a temple to Venus. The second is a dedication of a church on the site in 335 AD. Today, this church has been in continuous existence since then. It's known as the Basilica of the Holy Sepulchre and houses Calvary, the tomb of Jesus, and the cistern in which St. Helena found the instruments of the Passion, including the cross. And St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 22-24, he says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Amen. Did you hear that, Protestants? A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And uh, wow. and by the way, Terry, Yes. this is... Uh, St. Rose of Lima, you know what she said about the cross of Christ? She Tell said, very, she says, St. Rose of Lima, she says, apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no other ladder by which we may get to heaven. Amen to that, Jess. 
Wow. Let's get some soul food in us. John 3, chapter 13, uh, chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Special reading from the Gospel of John on this feast day, Jess. Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has gone up to heaven except the man who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. Yep. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Amen. That's what exalt means, to be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The gospel Mm. of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of Protestants use this verse, and it's very beautiful, but here's something where they miss it at. Where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him. The word believe, this is where the Protestant Catholic debate lies because Protestants don't understand what the word believe means. The word believe in New Testament Greek is the word pisteo, P-I-S-T-E-O. The word pisteo means uh, to uh, to surrender to Jesus, mm-hmm. to obey Jesus, and to follow Jesus. Wow. So it just doesn't mean you said the sinner's prayer yeah. and that's <laughs> it. All you got to do is just say a quick sinner's prayer at a retreat or a conference or at a Protestant gathering and you give Jesus your sins. He gives you his justification and that's it. You don't have to do anything else. That's not true. This is why St. Paul went to go on and say, work out your salvation in fear and trembling for it is God working in you and through you for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.12. Terry? Awesome. Let's get Fulton Sheen in here. Fulton ahead. He says, in order to love anyone with your whole heart, In order to be really peaceful, everyone's looking for peacefulness. In order to be really wholehearted, you must go back again to God to recover the peace he has been keeping for you from all eternity. This is what the world needs, and this is what's lacking, Jess, that we've tried to keep God out of all the equations. And again, who's influencing who, the church or the state? And I hate to say it right now, Jess, the state is influencing the church right now, and that's a shame. But you know what? We as lay Catholics are going to stand up and say, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ is king and center of the entire universe. He's above any state law. He is the reason we live. He is the reason and the purpose for life. And more people need to know that. And we will not stop preaching this until five minutes after we're dead. So Fulton Sheen, thank you for saying that. Jess, when we come back, interesting, hour and 15-minute interview. 1.5 million people have watched this interview with Sheila LaBeouf and Bishop Robert Barron. Why? Because it's an incredible dialogue of why someone would come into the church who lived a, a, a life like St. Augustine before he became a saint, like Wine, Women, and Song. And he's telling you the reason why he's becoming a Catholic. And we're going, how does that work? Well, stay with us. You'll find out how it all works. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The picture of Shia LaBeouf and Bishop Barron <laughs> yeah. on this in this article called The Hierarchy Doesn't Understand 
Shia LaBeouf's conversion. Nope. Terry, that, that picture says, it, says it, all. it all. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, a lot of our malformed modernist hierarchy that were formed back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they, for the life of them, they can't understand why Catholics are attracted to reverence, silence, yep. uh, and, and the traditional mass of the church. The article says, last I checked, Bishop Barron's interview with Sheila Booth had almost 1.5 million views on YouTube and thousands of comments. I was impressed to see how many people in the comments mentioned their being profoundly inspired by LaBeouf. Amen. One was encouraged enough by his testimony to pray the rosary for the first time since elementary school. Awesome. Wow. And beautiful. many others say they are returning to Mass after long being absent. Yes. Some even mention wanting to attend the Latin Mass, and one of these is, is a Protestant. Let us hope that LaBeouf's impact will be a lasting one for a church in need. So the question is, why then mm-hmm. did Bishop Barron come across <clears throat> as somewhat reluctantly reluctant to delve to really delve into the heart of LaBeouf's conversion? I mean, of course, the role that the Latin Mass played. It's no secret that the current pontiff has, for some reason or other, chosen to do battle with the traditionalists and the Tridentine Rite for the sake of unity. He and Biden seem to be on the same page, strength through unity. So, we can understand why Barron squirmed when LaBeouf mentioned repeatedly that it was the Latin Mass that brought him into the faith. Terry? Yeah, you know what, Jess, and I just want to make a comment. This is an example of, we're just not getting it through our head, that what you just said, reverence, silence, this is what people are looking for, the supernatural. I remember just happening 40 years ago, a lady telling me she became a Catholic because of my brother Pat. And I said, well, what did he do? Well, he was in church praying before the Blessed Sacrament. And he looked so earnest that I wanted what he had. See, Jesse, this is what the hierarchy needs to understand, that we don't want balloons and banners. We don't, look what it's done. It's driven people out. And that's why I think it's important that this interview came out. Now, uh, in a way, this interaction between Barron and LaBeouf represents a microcosm of the church today. It really does. Because Barron, to be sure, he's on the you know cons- I conservative side on a lot of church teachings. I, I have very few things about hell I don't agree with him on. But, I mean, he, I listen to him on a regular basis. He's inspired me. But I would say <clears throat> he still doesn't get it, what, we're, what we need in the church. So here's, here's what this article says, that uh, he's one of the boomer churchmen who came across a generally unaware of a real reasons why people are leaving the faith in droves and why young generations are not drawn to the church. They're not drawn to the church because you're not unique because you're telling them we entertain you. Well, I can go anywhere to be entertained. Now, a couple of years ago, Jess, as you know, uh, the General Assembly of the United States Catholic Bishops and, and Bishop Barron laid out five-step plan encouraging people to help bring back to the church. Good for them. They're trying to bring them back. But they still, none of the prescription ever recommended that which, which finally uh, converted LaBeouf. He mentions the way of justice, missionary outreach, creative use of media. But they were hardly more than fluffy talking points for a room full of bishops who more and more resemble out-of-touch global trottings Elites of the political sphere. Jess, I wish I would have been there with those bishops because I would have given them some, you know, what I call 
devil-destroying Catholicism. In other words, to go back to the basics, bishops, that's what we need. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, Terry. Uh, Baron, Bishop Barron didn't get it right. Yeah. You could tell he's just looking, Terry, at LaBeouf like a deer looking at an yeah. oncoming I, I don't understand why you're, you're saying this. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, it says a, a couple of years ago at the General Assembly of the USCCB. Yep. Barron laid out a five-step plan for bringing young people back to the church. Yep. None of his prescriptions, however, recommend that which finally converted LaBeouf. Of course not. He may, again, you know, the way of justice, missionary outreach, yeah. you know, the creative use, new, new use of the media. But these were hardly more than fluffy talking points for a room full of bishops who more and more resemble the out-of-touch, globe-trotting elites of the political sphere. Barron's suggestion to the bishops to beef up the intellectual content of our religion classes may be somewhat helpful. Good. Most Catholics are almost completely ignorant of, the, of what the faith actually teaches. I was one of these, the, the writer says. However, as LaBeouf points out, Padre Pio didn't touch people through profundities, but by appealing to the imagination through his own witness to Christ. He is still moving people in this way, as LaBeouf's conversion attests. More than an increase in rational understanding of the faith, what is needed is a better way of capturing the imagination, reclaiming it from the powerful grip of militant progressivism and sentimental romanticism. Jess, if I can just jump in for a minute. This just happened to me before the air. You know why we do a lot of funerals. Well, I met yeah. uh, the uh, woman who her fiancé passed away. They're going to have their funeral later this, this, week, this month. And I'm going to meet with her again tomorrow because... She's got all kinds of issues in her life. She's a baptized Catholic. We got her to get a mass offered for the repose of her, her boyfriend, who was, was her fiancé. But here's the point I'm mentioning. She's having all kinds of emotional, mental problems. And I asked her, um, have you ever you know, lived out your faith? Well, I went to catechism. Do you know even the seven sacraments? No, I don't know any, any of them. So here's my point. I'm going to walk her tomorrow after our next show I'm going to sit down with her and her mother and do give a little basic catechesis and try and give them uh, an understanding of why they're here and where they're going because they have no clue. And see, this is an example of a typical 30-year-old who, you know, now she's going to start coming to church here at our chapel. But you see, what did I reach out with, Jesse? Did I say, oh, I'm going to have a nice website. Come on and look at it. No. You know what I told her? You need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus in the Eucharist. So my point is, this article is showing that he, the Bishop Barron didn't get what LeBouf said in the supernatural aspect of the faith. But I like what this says, Jess. Barron is on the right path when he highlights the role of beauty. Because he did, let's, let's give him credit on that. You want to chat about the beauty? Yeah, the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. and Dante, for example, show the faith. Rather than explain it, Barron says, how beautiful are our churches? Yeah. How beautiful are our liturgical spaces? Notice that he does not say the liturgy. <laughs> he is aware of the power of the church's rich aesthetic tradition, but like his discussion with LeBouf, he draws back from confronting the full implications of his insight, which would lead to a reconsideration of the very unesthetic choices that have been made in the church over the last 60 years. By the way, if you want to just see the abuses, oh, a, cl- a classic example of the abuses in the liturgy, just type in, Los Angeles Religious Education Congress, uh, you know, uh, mass uh, with and, and you, you'll see everything 
that you need to know about liturgical abuses. Also, another one, if you want to see, again, the abuse of, 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 of the Mass at Vatican II, the spirit of Vatican II, as these modernists say, mm-hmm. type in Father Michael Flager. Oh, he's from the Diocese of Chicago. Chicago. Uh, he, he's uh, the pastor at St. Sabina oh. Parish. Yeah. Type in his masses. You're going to think you're at a, an ACDC rock concert. It is, it is profane. That's all I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, it is. And Jess, I just saw another one from Italy of a priest with bare-chested priest with his shorts on saying mass out in, you know, some... The ocean. Uh, yeah, no, this is another one, Jess, believe it or not. The new one just came up today. Uh, one of my Monsignors sent it to me. And uh, it's sick. This woman, I, I won't, I'll just describe it. There's, somebody's putting all these together, all these liturgical abuses. We have the internet now. So all this stuff that's been going on for 50 years, everybody's knowing about it. So I'm just hoping our leaders will realize that we need to knock this stuff off because it's offensive. Not to me. Sure, it's offensive to me. But you want more importantly, it's offensive to God. That's right. The article says, look no further than the Vatican's nativity displayed during Christmas 2020. Mm-hmm. There you go. It looked like a. It, it oh, looked that was like, sacrilege, in my opinion. Yeah, they had the Holy Family looking like uh, I don't know, it was like monsters or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. It was very uh, like Halloweenish. It, it was yeah. <laughs> it was very dark. Yeah. Churches built that for the council look much like like their drab, lifeless Protestant counterparts. Yeah, just look at the and cathedrals. The, and, yep. Yeah, and the same could be said of many Novus Ordo liturgies when they aren't trying to resuscitate the form with bubbles and, and guitar blessings. <laughs> Yet this desire to bring back to life the church, literally and figuratively, illustrates just how out of touch many priests and prelates of the boomer generation are. For Barron's part, he suggests we make church websites more beautiful. On one level, Barron gets it. Hence, his mention of Dante and Flannery O'Connor, in a moment of candor, Barron admits to LaBeouf what a failure was the post-1960 decision to advise priests to discuss their experiences. That's all he was. He, he experienced yeah. it himself. Yeah. The poor formation right. he got. Bishop Barron acknowledges the bad formation he got at Mundelein right. College, where he you know, was the rector, too, there. Things, I mean, we have to not just acknowledge it, Bishop Barron. we got to do something about it. That's right. But at the same time, Barron is beholden to the post-Vatican II belief that the liturgy and the churches ought to try to accommodate themselves to oh. the times to go digital to create a nice app. So, do young people really find satisfaction in the virtual landscape, or are they hoping for something more? One of the most moving moments of Barron's interview is when LaBeouf discuss, <laughs> discusses the challenge of, of representing the sacrifice of the Mass on camera. The weight of it, LaBeouf says, at times was too much. Yeah. He would pray with, with Brother Alex, whom he brought to Italy and who became his close friend. He would tell him he loved him, and they would pray together to be guided through the scene. It was the Latin Mass, LaBeouf says, that drew him out of the realm of the intellectual and put him in the realm of feeling. He felt as if he was being let in on something that is very special. That is, that's the cash value of it all. Yeah. Think about when we go to Mass, we're at that reenactment of Calvary. We're present 2,000 years ago. How many Catholics understand that when you go to Mass? I would wish and pray it all do, but I believe that what, they what they're getting out of a, uh, a Mass at a, most Catholic churches is, well, what can we do to entertain to keep people there? What do you want to be entertained? I thought we came to give our life to Christ and through the sacrifice of the Master and uniting our sufferings with his sufferings to help redeem the world. This is a classic 
example of how uh, the hierarchy doesn't get what we want in the sense of lay people. We want the supernatural. We don't want the natural. We don't want you to, to entertain us or try and give us a blessing with your guitar or something. No, we want Jesus Christ. Yeah, and uh, LaBeouf's Le- conversion suggests that all the five-step plans and compassionate platitudes about meeting people where they are yeah. will not do. No. This is this is what why LaBeouf made Baron feel so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Because uh, th- this whole Vatican II aggiornamento There you go. Failed. Yeah, that's it. Aggiornamento. That's a big one. Let's open the doors. Open the windows. Wow. Hey, Jess, good article. Check it out on our website or jesseromero.com. Hey, when we come back, attending ex-Catholics' weddings, why is that a bad thing to do? We'll cover all that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Attending ex-Catholics' wedding. Ooh, not a good idea. All of us have been invited to an ex-Catholic, a fallen-away Catholic's wedding. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, for most Catholics, it's not an issue. Well... Father Dave Nix, who's a straight-talking priest, oh, no nonsense, <laughs> preaches the fullness of truth in season and out of season, yep. wrote a great article on this topic. He says, There's a lot of combinations of sacramental debates happening today, but most of them are very similar. Someone's family member is getting married outside the church. Half the family feels squeamish about it. A priest steps in and says to the more conservative family members, you should indeed go to your son's wedding outside the church so as not to break the bonds of charity. That way, you can evangelize him back into the church later. Then, all the lay people in the family have their consciences euthanized by the smiling priests. That's what happens. And they all go to the <laughs> wedding. They all go to this apostate wedding, Terry. Yeah, yeah that's true. Here's why that priest is wrong. Yep. And it's actually a mortal sin to go to the wedding of an ex-Catholic getting married outside the Catholic Church. That might shock people, Jesse. Okay. Yep. A true marriage is a sacrament. I'm going to say that three times because this yep. is important. That's true. A true marriage is a sacrament. A true marriage is a sacrament. Assimilation of a sacrament is an imitation, mockery, of a sacrament. Not only would attending an ex-Catholic's wedding outside the church be an invalid sacrament, but it would be a simulation of a sacrament. That's right. Simulation is a canonical term meaning imitation or mockery. Yep. So, question. Would you go to a mockery mass by, I don't know, a non-Catholic Wiccan family member? I hope not. Just because you were requested there with pleading tears? Or would you confess your sins in an imitation confession to a Methodist minister? Of course not. Or would you have your comatose Italian grandmother, Catholic grandmother, 
receive extreme unction from an Episcopalian priestess chaplain at the local city hospital for pastoral reasons. Of course not. Of course you understand that participation in any such mockery of a Catholic sacrament would probably be a mortal sin even if you were simply a side participant in it. Wow, Terry. He's what? hitting hard, Jesse. Oh, this is outstanding. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, go ahead, go ahead. Jesse, you know, Father Nix really is saying this because he loves people. You know what? He gets nothing out of this. People never even meet him who, who hear this, but he's telling us the truth. Why then would you participate in a simulation of a great sacrament of matrimony? Getting married outside the church is a mortal sin for a baptized Catholic. If you encourage another's mortal sin, you obviously place yourself in a mortal sin. This is going to be traditional Catholicism. Listen to this, everybody. Every Catholic knew this a hundred years ago, mm. but we've got amnesia. We forgot. Remember that traditional magisterium of the Catholic Church lists nine ways to being an accessory to another's sin. We talked about this for years, Jess. Yes. Number one, by counsel. Number two, by command. Three, consent. Four, provocation. Five, praise of flattery. Six, by concealment. Seven, by partaking. Eight, by silence. And nine, by def- defense of the ill done. Now, Jess, go ahead and you, you've done this many times, but you've, we've covered it. Let's talk about this. Uh, attending an ex-Catholic's uh, wedding outside a Catholic church would make yeah. you an accomplice, right? I mean, there's no other way you could be. You're there. Well, yeah, Terry, you, you, gave, the, the, you gave the nine ways. Yeah. That in theology, we become complicit in somebody else's sin. Of course. So it stands to reason that attending an ex-Catholic's attempted mockery, fake sacramental wedding outside the Catholic Church would make you accomplice in another person's mortal sin by consent, Mm -hmm. by praise, because you're going to be clapping and throwing rights at them and, oh, I'm so happy for you, by partaking in their in their in, you know by being a witness and partaking in their celebration their mockery of the sacrament and by your silence by by not saying anything so you're at least guilty of number 3 5 7 and 8 That's in true. terms of, yeah so so unless you're going to stand up at the fake wedding and scream and try to stop such a farce silence at such an event makes you nearly as guilty as a fiance's executing such an invalid simulation of a sacrament yeah, it's called the sin of omission, yeah. and and the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in twenty four forty seven that we are called to instruct the ignorant and advise the doubtful, Terry. And you know, Jesse, I want to continue on this, but this applies also to the hierarchy and to us when we don't tell someone who's in our family or in our church that they're doing something that's offensive to God, like receiving Holy Communion when you're pro-abortion. Yeah, I would apply these nine points to participating in that sin. And I, if the shoe fits, wear it. All right, if you don't believe matrimony is to be a sacrament of the Catholic Church, Father says, another part of the classic, this is really important for people to understand, another part of the classic morality that we haven't been preaching for a long time in the church, uh, most priests hide from their lay people, most priests don't even know this, Jesse, is that for an ethical decision to be moral, all three of the following items must be morally good. Pay attention. Number one, the object, the deed, and number two, the intention and the circumstances. Where have you heard that, folks? 
tell me if you've heard this before tell me because i'm going to say this has been hasn't been taught for many years continue jess if even one of those is missing from the pr- proposed act yep the traditional magisterium teaches that the whole act is bad you hear that yeah wow therefore having a good intention to win your daughter back to the Isn't catholic it? church yeah by attending her invalid wedding outside the church will not only backfire these things never work because adult children then see their parents' religion as a joke That's right. to them when they don't stick to their guns on conviction. But it's also an offense against God. So even if the intention if the intention part is good, yeah. like keeping the bonds of yeah, charity with your adult child. Communications. <laughs> yeah. The object or the deed remains evil. That's right. If one of the three aspects of a moral act, object circumstance intention is defective the whole shebang is rotten well said it doesn't matter how good your intention is <laughs> that's paid what, what's that line hell is paid with good intentions yes all right keep going a Jeff. total different question may be tackled here yep can catholics attend non-catholic weddings who were never catholic the church recognizes the natural marriage of non-catholics getting married outside the catholic church even if she doesn't recognize the sacramental marriage of a non-Catholic couple. There is some debate as to whether baptized Protestants who were, who were never Catholic effect the sacramental bond of holy matrimony. But that debate aside, I spoke to a traditional Catholic with a PhD on the topic of Catholics attending other religions' weddings. We are open to correction on this point, but we came to the conclusion that it is probably morally acceptable for lay Catholics, not clergy, to attend the weddings of Eastern Orthodox, Protestants, or Jews, and maybe even secular services, with the proviso that neither fiancé was ever Catholic. That's the big point. Yeah. Yep. Keep in mind, a Catholic may never engage verbally in any liturgical prayer of non-Catholic sects, sects, whether that setting be a wedding or anything else. And going even deeper into caution, we must remember that some religions like Hinduism are demon worship. That's right. As it says in Psalm 95, verse 5, it says uh, the, uh, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. Therefore, I would advise against Catholics attending pagan weddings, even if neither fiancé was an ex-Catholic, even if the Catholic layman had a resolution to refrain from their public, from their public prayer. You don't want to even expose yourself to pagan worship rituals. So... If you've been to a Catholic, a non-Catholic wedding, especially a pagan wedding, or a non-Catholic wedding where two baptized Catholics, you know, turn their back on the church and are getting married in a mockery of the sacrament, if you've attended it, go to confession and confess confess that sin. Now, if you didn't have full knowledge that it was a sin, of course, uh, just just in case you want to confess it anyhow, you, you know, we could. Confess venial sins. That's right. But now anybody that heard this, now they know it's a mortal sin, Terry. Absolutely. And you know, uh, Father, a good friend, Lila Miller, who I know quite well, too, she's discussing this topic of non-Catholic weddings in some recent videos on her new YouTube channel. And if this blog post leads you to confession, and said, for Jesse said, a priest in a box, well, great. This is not a sin. And uh, you attend to, a, uh, this is very important what he says, attended an ex-Catholic wedding outside the church, just say, please, Father, I've said this to a, co- to a priest, yeah, please, Father, respect my conscience. 
that I need to go to confess, confess this? In other words, appeal to the only thing that matters to certain modernists, uh, a subjective conscience, not the church teaching. So yeah. there you go, Jess. It's important. Yeah, good, good, good advice. From Li- yeah. yeah, good advice from Lila Miller. Yeah, when a pre, uh, yeah, I've said that. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Terry, a friend of mine just called me up. Good friend of mine from California. Yeah. Uh, he said, of- <laughs> yeah, he said, Jess, you know, I, 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 I go to mass. I, I go to. He goes, I've been going to daily mass for about two or three years doing, doing the daily rosary. But he says, but I, I, I do masturbate probably about once or twice a month. So I was just listening to him. And he goes, but I, I feel at ease because I talked to the priest oh, no. and the priest told me not a problem. It's, it, you know, He's wrong. And so the priest started uh, giving psychobabble, you know, oh, yeah. psychiatry. Well, you know what? It relieves stress, this, that and the other. So my friend asked me, he called me up, he goes, so I wanted to call you up and ask you because I just kind of trust you as well. I, I just kind of, I, I don't know. He's a priest. He's got a Roman collar. And I told him, my brother, that priest was 100% wrong. Don't ever go back to confession with him. Yep. I Find another priest. Amen. Well, when we come back. We're going to get up to the church militant update on the news headlines. Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Every Wednesday, the last segment, we bring out, we bring out the... The internal internal affairs of the Catholic <laughs> Church, or probably they're better called the Sex Crimes Division yeah. of the Catholic Church. Church militant. We've got Hunter Brander Hunter Bradford, Bradford on today. Hunter, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. What do you have for us tonight? Well, uh, sort of uh, a mainstay in church militant news is uh, the homosexualist priest, Father James Martin. He recently came out with another another one of his videos saying, you know what, there, there are some clobber passages in the Bible which uh, are against homosexuality and that lifestyle. But thankfully for the world and the church, there's a one of the world-class, according to him, uh, New Testament scholars who's also a Orthodox Jew by the name of Amy Jill Levine. Now, according to Amy Jo Levine, um, you know, we, we need to read these passages, these so-called clobber passages, uh, in light of today's culture and of the times. So, of course, she's a modernist, but, of course, more Father James Martin news. Uh, wow. this, this Father James Martin, I'm going to hit him on him again. I, I've, I almost, well, I met him at the Religious Ed Congress. He was 20 feet away from me, Hunter. Uh, this was probably five years ago, and yeah. uh, my lower nature got a a little over control of me and I uh, walked away from it because I would have decked him. I'm going to be honest with you. His stuff is so bad for the Catholic Church. I mean, he's going after bishops who are standing up for the traditional Catholic teachings yep. of the church. Well, if he's going to do all this stuff, then then I'm going to give him a proportionate measure. See, I, I couldn't give him a proportionate measure the day I met him because I would have sinned. I would have decked yep. him. Yeah, uh, Terry, right. I, uh, also, when it comes to Father James Martin, he has to resort to these these uh, modernist uh, biblical scholars 
because he can't resort to the magisterium. He can't resort to any of the saints. He can't resort to any of the doctors and fathers exactly. of the church because they all condemn what he, how he interprets scripture and what the lifestyle that he pushes. So he has to resort to people outside of the church or people who are so-called in the church and you know nominally Catholic that you know interpret the Bible the way he does. Well said. You know, Hunter, uh, you guys played the other night a small little clip with Joe Scarborough. Oh, yeah. Joe yes. Scarborough, the, the <laughs> Bible scholar, right? Yeah, yeah, he, at yeah. MSNBC. I never, I mean, thankfully there was a Bible study on the show because I really needed it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a, a, a typical, in, in typical modernist, modernist fashion, you know, Bible alone yeah. said, Jesus never said anything about, uh, yeah, I guess, was it homosexuality or abortion? Yes. Well, I, yeah. Abortion. Yeah, but the fact is, Jesus didn't say anything about a whole host of topics. That's a lame argument. But our Lord did say in Matthew five nineteen, he says, anybody who teaches you to break one of these, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Right. Well, what are the Ten Commandments? Fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, you buddy. Know. Yeah, Jesus said, if anybody teaches you to break one of the Ten Commandments, got it, Jess. he's going to be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So Father James Martin and other these progressive priests, oh, yeah. they are on dangerous ground. They're jumping over the trap door of hell. Amen, mm-hmm. Jesse. Well said. And it's, it's funny because uh, he obviously, Joe Scarborough, isn't, his reason isn't up to par because you don't need Scripture to tell you that you can't kill or you ought not kill an innocent person. That is just a matter of reason. You think? Yes. <laughs> common yeah. sense ain't yeah, that just, common. Yeah, just natural law tells us you can't do that. So even the pagan knows through natural law that we can't do that. That's right. And, he, and here's the flaw, by the way, of Bible only or Bible alone given to us by Luther is that they want to see everything written in the Bible specifically. But again, that's not what the, how the, why, why the Bible was written. The Bible is written. It's, it's basically, as St. Augustine said, it's God's love letter to us. Amen. So it doesn't get into yeah. a lot of the minutiae. It just talks yeah, about it's, salvation it's, history. It's, and, uh, yeah. I'm so sorry, what else so do you guys got for us tonight? That us laity are, are having to, to say these truths. These, well, these but, truths should be yeah. uh, preached from the pulpit every single Sunday and taught by every single ordained minister. But uh, today, the, the laity now seem to know the truth more so than the ordained. Well, Bishop Sheen was prophetic, but I want to get to the other two topics of the day. What else do you have, brother? Sorry, I think the uh, the uh, audio is struggling here. A little bit of technological. Oh, all right. Well, what we wanted to find out is what's up next on the agenda for the news after that to- the topic of James Martin. Can you hear me okay? Nope. We lost him. I can't hear you. Uh, okay, we can, right. we can hear we can you. Hear you. Go, go ahead. What else do you go have? Ahead. What else do you have? What else do you have? Oh, okay, so the second story, sorry for the audio, is uh, the Archdiocese of Boston's newspaper called the Boston Pilot. Oh, yeah. Uh, is refusing <laughs> to run ads for the men's march. Now, in response to Father Stephen Imbarato writing to uh, Archdiocesan, uh, sorry, excuse me, the, the Cardinal over at Boston, Sean O'Malley. Yes. Imbarato writing to O'Malley saying, hey, I'd like, I'd like you uh, 
to come to the men's march. And uh, here's the invitation. Sean O'Malley uh, sends a letter to every single parish in the archdiocese saying, you should not at all support the men's march. The only march for life that we will support is the national uh, march for life, which is highly ironic because after the overturn of Roe with the Dobbs ruling, um, the, the abortion situation has come to the states, making it all the more important, making local marches like this one, the men's march, all the more important. Wow. What a scandal. Yeah, by the way, just uh, going back to the first topic, Joe Scarborough and those that say that our Lord Jesus Christ never said anything about abortion. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, our Lord says, And behold, one came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? One there who is, one there who is good... If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And then he goes, it says, he said to him, which, and Jesus said, you shall, the first thing he says, you shall not kill. And then he goes on to say some of the other ones. Pretty First clear. thing he says, oh, yeah. you shall not kill. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, honestly, everyone picks and chooses uh, what they choose to read or abide by in uh, yeah. with scripture and especially no. church teaching, which is ultimately a failure of the bishops to teach that, hey, you aren't Catholic unless you submit and obey all of the church's teachings. You can't be Catholic if you obey only 90 percent. That's Amen. not Catholic. Well said. What's our last topic for the day? For your Well, uh, the Republican National Committee, the RNC, put out a memo recently, I believe it was on Monday, yep. telling uh, Republican candidates and it just sitting uh, Republicans right now that you need, to, you need to touch down a little bit, uh, or at least trim down, your uh, stance against abortion. So uh, if you're a firm yeah. ab- against abortion in all situations, maybe you should trim that down to... Uh, make some exceptions to it. Be less firm on it. Don't be reasonable. Don't be. Don't be. Don't try and save every single uh, baby from the slaughter of the unborn. But save just some. You know, I tell them to go read their platform because that's what it says, my friend. And you're going to be uh, a, a rhino, then be a rhino. But I, I'm not happy from that one. That that's that's very disappointing from my perspective. Yeah, and and I'll tell you that. The Republican Party is, there's an analogy to the Catholic Church oh, yeah. right now. Oh, and yeah. what here, I mean by here that, comes. here comes, absolutely. you have Orthodox Catholics and you have heterodox Catholics, but they're, they're in the same church. I mean, you sit next to them at Mass. Uh, they're, they're part of the mystical body of Christ. They're involved in RCIA and running the offices and running the chanceries. Yep. Uh, and they're fake Catholics. That's exactly Within the Republican Party, you have the same thing. You have real, uh, you know, freedom-fighting conservatives, and then you have rhinos, Republicans in name only, that are more uniparty-type people. They want to get along with the Democrats and uh, just build bridges by compromise. So what we see in the Republican Party, we see in the Catholic Church, in religion and politics, you always have those infiltrators Mm -hmm. that come in and try to change the party from within or change the church from within. Well said, Jess. Yeah. That's exactly right. We need to return to uh, Father James Altman's uh, statements he made years ago saying you can't be Catholic and Democrat. Everything 
on the Democratic ballot, everything on that party's objectives is uh, antithetical to uh, church teaching. And uh, you are responsible, at least in some way, for the blood of the unborn when you give your vote to a Democratic candidate. Absolutely correct. We've been saying that for years. Wow. Okay. Hey, how can people tune into Church Militant? Yep. Hunter? Well, they can go to uh, churchmilitant.com. Uh, we have an evening news show from 7 to 8 every single weeknight. We also are push, pushing out uh, premium content. Uh, it's just $10 a month to become a premium subscriber. Uh, well worth it. That's just probably two cups of coffee uh, a month that uh, you could refrain from and have um, content telling you what the church teaches and why she does it and, uh, and how long she's been uh, teaching that truth uh, ever since the beginning, but just for $10 a month premium subscription. Unbelievable. And there's hundreds of programs on catechetical teachings, especially when is the one coming out on the Holy Eucharist, Hunter? Yes, uh, I believe, I don't know exactly uh, that, when that, that's That's got out. my, I mean, it's the source and summit of the Christian faith, and I know you've been advertising it, but I just, I, I think everybody should, should at least get a, and that's worth $10 a month, just that. Yes, I mean, actually, if, speaking of the Eucharist, God's Lamb, um, the Holy Eucharist, the documentary that uh, Church Militant yep. put together, hosted by Michael Voris, very good uh, stuff in there. I mean, amazing, amazing yep. stuff. Amazing yep. work. And then, Hunter, here's the other question I have. Uh, if people wanted to participate in these resistance organizations, you guys run resistance things in parts of the country. Uh, let's say someone's in Southern California. How do you connect with that? Well, um, I think uh, Joe Gallagher has uh, okay. a number of means of communication, email, phone okay. call. Good. Uh, he is always talking to someone in resistance. Excellent. Hunter, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. We'll look forward next week to doing it again. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. God bless you. you got it. God bless you, brother. Jess Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace. Let's not live in a state of mortal sins. Let's become holy or die trying. Pray your rosaries every day. Pick up those weapons. Mm. Pray them every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. And read your Bible. Read your... The Mass readings. Read them every day. The Mass reading. Get that soul food into your soul. Amen, brother. And I always repeat Our Lady of Fatima's message. Those are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. I've had a bunch of ladies in the church all morning long praying because this was the exaltation of the cross. We can help save souls. You can join us here on Virgin Most Powerful by expiation and reparation. God love you.